and welcome to this edition of Wineskins. I'm Father Jim Corda. Wineskins is a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of issues and topics, all from a Catholic perspective. Wineskins is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our program today, I will interview Elaine Seuss. We will also hear more information on St. Anselm and today. As the Church celebrates a second Sunday of Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday, we will get a deeper insight into those particular Sunday readings. That and more on Wineskins. Catholic Charities is an important part of the life of the Church and her members. To share with us an important issue is Rachel Herbelich. Joining me now is Rachel Herbelich, who is the Director of Catholic Charities for the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome to Wineskins. Oh, thank you very much, Father. You know, we're embarking in a couple weeks on the annual Voice of Hope, and we're here to talk about that. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and let us know all about that. Well, the first Voice of Hope dinner started back in 1997 with Bishop Tobin. When he came to our diocese, he asked if we had a large event for Catholic Charities, and at the time we did not. So he sent me to Pittsburgh to look at their very large annual dinner and came back with some ideas. Of course, ours was very much scaled back. We held the first one at Kent State University, and it was a great event. I remember walking into the room and just seeing all the decorations and I remember seeing Bishop Tobin walk in and it was exactly what he was looking for. So we did it every year since then until 2013. At that time we seemed to lose energy around the event so we decided to put it on hiatus and then that hiatus lasted through the pandemic. So when Bishop Bonner came he asked me the very same question that Bishop Tobin asked me many years earlier, do you have a large event for Catholic Charities? So I said We don't at the present time, but we did. So long story short, we brought back the Voice of Hope dinner last year for the first time since 2013. And what do you celebrate? Really, it's an opportunity to celebrate the unity and identity of Catholic charity services throughout our six counties. So it's an opportunity for boards, staff members, people who subscribe to our mission to really come together to celebrate the good work that we are doing in all six counties. And it's interesting because this conversation right now that we're having, quite embarrassed about it, but I am one of the nominees for the Voice of Hope with Sister Jean Orsudo and also for St. John's High School in Ashtabula. I'm very humbled by their company. And let's talk about some of the work that they do. First of all, Sister Jean. Well, Sister Jean has been involved with Emanuel Community Care Center in Girard for a number of years. They collaborate very closely with our Catholic Charities Agency, Catholic Charities Regional Agency, which serves Trumbull County. And that's one of the criteria that we consider when we are looking at award recipients. We want to make sure that there's a connection somehow with the work of Catholic Charities. And certainly, Sister Jean, for many years, especially in her work with Homeless Outreach, has collaborated with our Catholic Charities Agency quite a bit. And I've had the opportunity over the years to speak with Sister Jean, to work with Sister Jean when I was uh, stationed in Girard, but also through my many interviews with her to see the passion Mm. that's in her, but also bringing out the charism of the Humility of Mary sisters as well. Let's talk about St. John High School. Well, surprising connection. Sister Jean Orsuto is also a graduate 
of St. John High School, and they have been very connected to our Catholic Charities Agency in Ashtabula County. Students do service projects at our agency, staff from the agency go to the school to speak to the students on various topics, including poverty and homelessness. They painted a mural on our office wall several years ago, and there just seems to be a very good collaboration that's happening there. In fact, the students are going to provide the centerpieces for our Voice of Hope dinner. Their art class is going to do a project. We're very glad and very pleased that we have them this year. Let's talk about how important it is to get young people involved in the work of charity and outreach. Why is that so crucial? Well, they're the future of the church. And, you know, working with our Catholic schools is something that we have started to do and we continue to try and build upon. We want today's students to see that Catholic Charities is really an extension of their faith. So we want to engage them in the work that we do and give them something to be proud about with their faith and keep that relationship with us going as they become adults too and and as they're in the churches knowing what Catholic Charities does. You can tell me about my nomination. Well, Father Corda, we go back many years. In fact, I don't know if you remember or not the domestic violence video that we did many years Mm -hmm. ago that actually won, I believe, a communicator award at the time. But just your support for Catholic Charities has been constant throughout your time with CTMY and even in your time as a pastor. We've always appreciated the support that you've given us. Anytime we've needed to come in and promote something on CTMY, you have opened the door to us. And just supporting the various campaigns that we run through Catholic Charities throughout the years, you've always been very supportive and very helpful in spreading the word about the good things Catholic Charities does. So an award well-deserved and congratulations to you. Well, thank you, Rachel. As I had mentioned, before. It's very humbling when I did get the call about that, but I was extremely grateful for that, but also humbled to be in part of the company of people who promote such wonderful work. And if it wasn't for the work of charities, not only here in the diocese, but throughout the country, who else would be reaching out in Jesus' name to the poor, to the hungry, to those who need shelter? And as I talk with folks that are in the work and ministry of Catholic Charities, I see the passion that's in them. And it's my honor to bring that passion out and to share it with the world. Thank Thank you. you very much. Give us some brief information for the folks that are with us that like to have that. Well, the dinner itself will be held on May 4th at the Grand Resort in Warren. Tickets are available for $75 a ticket. The event starts with cocktails at 5, dinner at 6, program starting at 7. So it's a pretty concise night. We keep the night moving along. We know it's a work night for a lot of people who come out. So it's a wonderful opportunity to meet up with people from around the diocese that you haven't seen for a while and to celebrate. Bishop Bonner is a big part of our evening. He'll be providing a brief address. Dr. Jim Kravick is our keynote speaker for the evening. So we're really looking forward to bringing everyone out for another you know, great night to celebrate the good work that's happening across the diocese through Catholic Charities. And who would they contact? Where would they go for that information? All of the information is available on our website. That's Catholic Charities website, which is ccdoy.org. Rachel Herbalich, Director of Catholic Charities for the Diocese of Youngstown, thank you for your work, for being the umbrella that brings it all together, and for your ministry and reaching out in the Lord's name. Thank you so much, Father. It's my pleasure. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. St. Anselm was a Benedictine monk. To tell us more is Sister Eva Coulter. She is an Oblate Sister of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. St. Anselm, a Benedictine monk, who became a bishop, was declared the doctor of the church in 1720. 
and has been called the father of scholasticism. Born in Italy, he first entered the Benedictine monastery, but under the pressure of his father, he had to leave the monastic life. After an unsettled period, the young Anselm fled to France and entered the monastery there, where eventually he would become abbot and gain renown as a preacher and reformer of monastic life. During this period, he wrote his best theological works, which exerted a powerful influence and established him as a theological master in the late Middle Ages. Eventually, he became Archbishop of Canterbury in England and was involved in the struggle over lay investiture with King William, who refused to recognize Pope Urban II. Twice Anselm went into exile, but he was finally able to return to his seat, where he died on April 21, 1109. The opening prayer of the Mass presents the characteristic traits of the spirituality of St. Anselm. To study and to teach the sublime truths of Revelation, his definition of theology was faith-seeking understanding. He contributed greatly to the development of systematic theology, but always with the emphasis on the contemplative and spiritual dimension. We should note the primacy St. Anselm gives wisdom in the study and the teaching of theology, which is the point and the greatest convergence between St. Anselm and Thomas Aquinas. Today, we should strive for a deeper understanding of our faith so that we can love the truth we have studied. As it is stated in the opening prayer, let your gift of faith come to the aid of our understanding and open our hearts to your truth. The famous axiom, I believe in order that I may understand, reminds us that we should be guided by the light of faith and not by the light of reason alone. Otherwise, if we rely too much on human knowledge, there is a danger of weakening our faith. Father, you called St. Anselm to study and teach the sublime truths you have revealed. Let your gift of faith come to the aid of our understanding and open our hearts to your truth. For Wineskins, I'm Sister Eva Marie of the Oblate Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. With me now is Elaine polomsky seuss who is the former managing editor of the Catholic Exponent. Welcome to Wineskins. Hi, thank you. Thank you, you Father. It's the first time, uh, really, that I've interviewed you on radio. You've interviewed me many times for print medium, and it's nice for us to have this conversation. And I want to say that you were instrumental in the final edition of the Catholic Exponent, so we thank you for that wonderful work that you did on that. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but let's talk primarily about what it is to be a writer for a Catholic newspaper or magazine. What's that all about? For me, it was always an opportunity to express myself, but more paint a picture of the person that I'm interviewing and try to make sure that it's portraying them as a unique person that they are. Most of the people that I interviewed, all of the people that I interviewed were either heads of initiatives in the church or sometimes just regular ordinary people in the pews that always had great stories to tell and I kind of prided myself in the fact that I could I, I think draw them out. The other thing that's interesting is you were talking about that it recalled for me an interview that you did many years ago left CTNY for the first time before I came back a second time 
And I remember you writing the article. We talked about how I used to love to draw and to paint. And when I was ordained, I stopped doing that. Mm -hmm. And so you had the bent of, I kind of went back into the artistic world, but did it through radio and television Mm -hmm. and no longer painted pictures with my hands, but created pictures with television and print and so forth. So, So I just think you were able to bring these relationships out, you know, in people. And isn't that one of the gifts of someone who writes just to create something like that? I think so. Many people in our family are interests in art careers and music, and I looked at mine as just such a neat opportunity that I could have a job that I loved mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. It was because of, again, feeling you know like I could, I don't know, put part of myself always into whatever I was doing, sometimes to a fault. You know, I, I would... Uh, sometimes almost burn out, you know, because I was addicted to this whole fun process. It was just really great. Now, sometimes there's kind of a fine line when you're like the the managing editor and also a writer. So you kind of walk a fine line because you your passion is in writing, and yes. yet you had administrative responsibilities. So how do you balance both of those? I had, because of family commitments, sometimes I ended up deciding that it was probably a good idea to take myself off of some of the writing because I'm a slow and deliberate writer. I mean, I choose every word and then I choose another one. <laughs> and so my first editor used to say, you know, Elaine, comes a time, you have to give it to me. You know, so. But anyway, I knew that in copy editing was something I also enjoyed doing, being a former English teacher, I guess. And that was something where I also felt that I was contributing you know, to the publishing operation of The Exponent, because again, it's all about getting out the news. Let's talk also about how important it is to have the print medium in the church. You know, we know that over the years, many things kind of go by the wayside or go to a new creation or whatever you want to call it. And print sometimes is moving in that direction, but why is it important for us to retain a print medium, especially in the church? There are many times that I read an article and I know that I want to save it and to read it again. I tend not to be somebody that would just save that on a link somewhere or save it on, I don't know, I do save things on email for myself. (laughs) But to refer back to something that's in writing, and many people, especially older people today, which are still, I think, the backbone of our church, you know, Mm -hmm. many of them are not online or even on email or any of that. It's important to have something, you know, for them to get into and to see what's going on. One thing I wanted to ask you, and this is just totally different of what we're talking about. I read books all the time, novels and all kinds of books, but I read them on my Nook. Okay. I used to obviously buy paperback or hardbound books. I don't do that anymore. What do you do? Do you have a, a Kindle or a Nook, or do you still I have to, buy I try to save book? my eyes. The less I'm on a screen, for me, the better. Mm. Especially being, if I'm copy editing or when I'm writing for long periods of time, I just kind of want to get away from that. So, no, I'm with the print, always. In fact, I have papers and magazines, and everything is saved, you know, like kind of in categories, but mm. I'm a print person. I like to carry a book around 
stick it in my purse and go. Good for you. What does kind of the future hold for you? We know recently you've retired from your work with the Catholic Exponent. We're moving into the Catholic Echo, a magazine format. What is in the future for you personally and with your family? I'm not sure. Personally, I'm exploring. I go with kind of where the Holy Spirit leads me always. So we'll see if something turns up. But for the most part right now, it's a matter of, yes, focusing on doing more things with family, friends. I love my friends' lunches, and I haven't had time to do them. That's, I just gained so much from getting together with you know people that I worked with or just people that I've been friends with for other reasons. As I said, my physical health, I do line dance, I do cardio drumming, I want to get together more with my siblings in Cleveland, my brothers and I do gigs together. I'm an accordionist who's teaching myself piano. So, and they play drums and guitars and we just play old standards and things that we kind of used to do this at Christmas time and got away from it. I'm looking forward to doing that. Just kind of more balance, I think. Well, Elaine Polomsky-Seuss, it's a pleasure to have you on Wineskins, first of all. Second of all, it was wonderful to kind of turn the tables and uh, talk with you and kind of bring out your gifts and your talents to highlight that, but also to thank you for your many years of work, hard work for the Catholic Exponent and also the groundwork that you laid for us to move into this new venture, but also to retain one foot planted firmly in the print world, which is so important for us uh, in the world and in the church today. So thank you for your work and for your many years of dedicated service. Thank you, Jim. My, my pleasure. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Bishop Dave Bonner of the Diocese of Youngstown. At Easter, we recall the presence of the risen Lord among us. Over 2,000 years ago, he told his disciples, Remember, I am with you always, even to the end of time. As we celebrate his resurrection, may his gifts of love and joy fill your hearts and homes this Easter season. May our thanks and celebration of his dying and rising give us abundant life now and always. 33 million Americans have descended into poverty. And as their futures fall, so does our nation's. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Our song today is from the CD called Glory in the Cross. It is by Dan Schultz.
As we celebrate this second Sunday of Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday, we will hear more about the sacred scriptures by Sister Mary McCormick. She is the Major Superior of the Ursuline Sisters of Youngstown. The Sunday after Easter always has the same gospel. It is John's account of Jesus' appearance to his disciples on Easter Sunday evening. In John's gospel, this includes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples. Notice that it's here on Easter Sunday, not on Pentecost. But it also tells us that Thomas was not present that evening. This famous story tells us that Thomas refuses to believe that Jesus has risen until he can touch the wounds of Jesus. These stories are familiar to us. We kind of know them by heart, even though Catholics are not considered experts at knowing Scripture. The passage concludes with John writing that these stories were written that you might believe. That's an interesting phrase. The stories were written so that you might believe. I have often wondered to whom the you refers. Does it refer to Christians in the early second century? Those who probably lived shortly after the Gospel of John would have been written. Does it refer to us? To believers of the 21st century, far removed from the events of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. One of the best-known scripture scholars of the late 20th century is Sandra Schneider's. Of the many books she has authored, one is titled, Written That You Might Believe. She takes her title from today's gospel. Schneider's makes the point that the writing of the gospels was intended to foster faith in the people who would never know Jesus or any of his apostles. So it refers to all those who have lived after the second century. Another theologian of the later 20th century also reflected on the role of handing on faith in Jesus as recorded in the scripture. Edward Skilabex, a Flemish Dominican, believed that the church left contemporary believers with four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He also recognized that many cultural Christians rarely, if ever, actually read the scriptures. He writes, Every true believer needs to write a fifth Gospel with his or her own life. Skilabex is not advocating that people actually compose a narrative. He is also not advocating a simple recitation of belief statements, good and true as those are. Rather, the manner of living, the love that a person has for others, the integrity with which one lives one life should reflect the life of Jesus and his saving mystery. The Gospels were written that you might believe, that we might believe. That belief calls us to a way of life, to setting our hearts in a direction that follows the Lord. We are now in the glorious days of the Easter season. Let's use this time to write a fifth Gospel with our lives, to give witness to our commitment to the Gospel, 
and to live with praise and thanksgiving for God's saving gift to us in Jesus. For Wineskins, I am Sister Mary McCormick. What kind of God is this who can love without being loved, who can be hurt without seeking revenge, who reaches out to a world with nail-scarred hands? It is a great mystery. We will never fully understand it. But if we want to know God, we can see Him most clearly in Jesus Christ. Wineskins is a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. It is brought to you by the Annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a beautiful week. And we of Wineskins want to express our prayers and best wishes to our sisters and brothers in the Orthodox Church who are celebrating Easter today. have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.